What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow Podcast. It's me, your boy, ex-NFLer turned yogi, Eben Britain. It's excellent to be with you guys on this magnificent day. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by my family over at Bioptimizers. Did you know that over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium? And that magnesium is the number one mineral to fight stress, fatigue, and sleep issues? Seriously, it's true. I know from years of experience. I started taking magnesium during my NFL career. I got turned on to the miracle, myriad wonders of magnesium through our nutritionist at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I talked a little bit about her. Anita Nall learned so much from her about nutrition and how to take better care of myself physically, the power of food, the power of good supplementation, and she turned me on to magnesium, number one, because I was really suffering from cramps. I'd get the worst muscle cramps. I was hospitalized multiple times throughout my football career for full body cramps, had to have IVs very frequently. And magnesium was the first thing I tapped into that really brought me a solution to that issue. But not only that, I realized that it was super relaxing. It helped me get a better night's sleep, helped me wake up the next day feeling recovered, feeling rejuvenated, ready to roll. And that all comes through the miracle mineral, magnesium. Magnesium is involved in over 200 processes in the human body. It's super important for the keeping homeostasis, for toning our nervous system. Our nervous system functions in two different states. The parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest, and the sympathetic state, which is fight, flight, freeze. Most of us in this day and age are walking around in a low hum fight or flight state all the time. It's the mouth breathing, it's the technology, it's our lifestyle, it's the environmental stressors, all of that stuff, not getting enough sleep, not getting quality sleep. Magnesium can help get us out of that sympathetic nervous state and into the parasympathetic nervous state. So, my friends at Bioptimizers, they have come up with the very best magnesium supplement that I've ever come across. It's Magnesium Breakthrough. It's a combination of seven variations of the magnesium compound mineral, which makes it basically the most, the most potent version you can find. It's fantastic. I take it every night before bed. If I've had a hectic day or I'm feeling a little bit stressed out or didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, I might take one during the day to give me a little boost, keep me calm, keep me centered, bring me down into that parasympathetic nervous state. Help me relax. Help me chill out. It's fantastic stuff. I highly recommend it. Right now, 
hit the link in the show notes, or when you have free time, head over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Use code ebb and flow 10 to get 10% off your next order of magnesium breakthrough. That's all you got to do. Just because you listen to this podcast, you get a super sweet deal on one of the best wellness supplements on the market. Highly recommend it. Uh, other than that, folks, would love to see you guys join the Power Tribe on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. Love to see you guys there. We are doing another group breathwork and yoga session on Sunday, July 25th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Be sure to check that out. Would love to see you guys there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, okay. So this episode, Seeking Highness. My brother Gus and I are once again making our way through the various aspects of life, the life experience, um, getting into the minutia. We have a lot of fun. We talk fasting, we talk various yogic disciplines, we are getting into some Vivekananda, who's an ancient yogi, uh, not not that ancient, early, early 20th century, late 19th century, early 20th century yogi who came to America and brought the teachings of Ramakrishna, famous Indian saint his teacher with him to America. Super fun. Um, Really enjoyed it. I think you guys will as well. Lots of love to you. That's about it, folks. Have an excellent day. Living in your truth, living in your power, standing in your highest greatness. The world needs you. Lots of love, y'all. See y'all on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension, a gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. All right, y'all. We're here. What day is it? I don't even know. Gus. Hello. It's great to be here. This is the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's a gray day here in LA. July gloom. Didn't have much June gloom. June was a beautiful month this year. Yeah. July. It's humid as hell today. It's It's gray. Feels like Florida. I know. It's wild. Wild. Uh, well, the world is a wacky and weird place. 
Gus and I were just here spitballing, getting ready to roll on this podcast, thinking about what we were going to riff on today. There's a lot going on in the world that, you know, provides plenty of grist for the mill, as they say. Um, I'm on day two of a three-day liquid fast, clearing out my system. I I feel fucking great, dude. I love that. Yesterday, I didn't eat all day. Mm-hmm. did hot yoga in the morning mm-hmm. at the end of the yoga I'd, i've been having some weird like stomach things happening uh-huh and i've been thinking for a while that i need to do a little clean out uh-huh. fast yeah can i try a piece of that gum oh yeah for sure i might project, it's i might projectile <laughs> vomit but let i'm me, gonna do some too i have a thing with nicotine 10 10 bites 10 chews and then stick it in your cheek. I'm going to do half. That's good. Because I have a... I'm going to do a piece Remember too. that time in Florida when I dipped? Oh, my God. This is not like that. But literally. Yeah, do half. So you did the fast. You're doing the fast. Your stomach was feeling odd. Yeah, I had weird... I felt like I had eaten a box of nails the day before. Well, what did you eat? It was kind of a weird day of eating on Sunday. Um, Bread, pizza? No, I had one little like fry. They were like lightly fried squash blossoms. I basically never eat fried stuff. Uh Uh-huh. I did on this one occasion. They were really good. Um, From where? This place called Wood and Water in okay. Sherman Oaks. Uh-huh. Great place. Had oysters. Nice. Then dinner was kind of hodgepodge, like tuna salad, leftover steak from the night before, broccolini, oh, yeah. crackers. Yeah, you had a lot of different things going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I've been feeling like I needed this anyway. Uh-huh. So... I'm doing it yesterday, finish yoga, have the thought, eh, we're going to start, it's time, three-day fast, give the body a break. Yesterday, didn't eat all day, I felt fucking energized, man. So much energy. Today, I feel great. It's so wild. feel super clear. I feel like the amazing thing about fast for me, if because I felt like I've kind of been in a rut a little bit, just an energetic rut, like uh-huh. doing, you know, things aren't moving necessarily. Mm-hmm. I've had some conversations that I need to have that I've been avoiding or procrastinating on having the conversations. I kick into this fast and things just start moving, mm-hmm. start having the f- fucking conversations, getting out of the results business, like we talked about earlier. I was really, I was spending too much time in my head complicating the things, you know? Yeah. Oh, what are they going to say? What are, you know, what are the results of this going to be? Yeah. Concerning myself too much with that. It was a great reminder today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. To get out of that. Yeah. As soon as you put, or as soon as I put some food in me man it really changes my energy like this morning 
this morning when we left our meeting, there's the cafe up the street. And I was like, I just got a coffee. Mm. I was like, if I get this breakfast burrito, my energy is going to completely shift. Mm. And I didn't get the breakfast burrito. And I feel there's just something about it. There's yeah. something about it. Well, your body goes into, oh, we have right, food. Right. Let's digest the food and yeah. put all of our energy into that. Yeah. You know, the other thing is my energy has been, I felt exhausted basically since we got back from Maui, which yeah. was like June 23rd. Mm-hmm. I felt really fucking worn out and tired. Mm-hmm. And this fast is helping to reset my energy Yeah, I've as had well. That. I've had that too. I think when the heat kicks in so quickly, like it's been a hundred here the past few days, mm. I get this thing where I'm just completely wiped out. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know what it is. It's like my body isn't sure what's going on or something. And yeah. I've been really working to like move through it. But, um, fast helps, man. Yeah. Fast is good. It's good medicine. Um, it is. I'm doing water, coffee green juices and and a, an amino acid uh powder that I have nice yeah it's excellent dude I feel great I feel really good on it um I needed it I feel great too you know there's something um because I haven't uh been doing uh bread or sugar Mm. Particularly the bread for me, man. Yeah, I have like, I, I, I'm in, I'm in love with croissants, and you know, I have that dad thing. You know, dad will come out of the coffee shop with a fucking six donuts, fucking bear claw the size of his head. Yeah, and that really helped. You know, I was reading this. Um, I was reading this book by Vivekananda. Mm. So Ramdas talks about Vivekananda a lot. And the book is all these like quotes from his talks. Uh. Vivekananda was the main disciple of Ramakrishna. Uh. Ramakrishna was this very powerful Indian saint mm. who who they all who everybody also talks about. Yeah. But something that he talked about, one thing that just that made me think of the, the you know, our conversation right now about eating a certain way, etc. He said, when you start getting religious, and he's speaking about religious in a really, yeah, not the just fucking, yeah, not this bullshit my, myopia that the, um, you know, pop culture has created. Oh, you're religious. No, it's like a bigger sense. Yeah. But he says, when you start doing that, things naturally, you start naturally renouncing things. Yeah. You naturally become renunciate. Of certain things. And it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Like you can't help but like the witness, the religious witness kind of permeates your life of its own accord. Mm-hmm. Isn't it kind of amazing that way? Because I think like the food is it. Yeah. The food is uh, um is certainly an aspect of that. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard it put another way. Maybe Ramdas, or maybe this was just my own cosmic download, synergizing of all these ideas. But it, to me, it comes down to the more whole you get, the less space you have to fill mm. with external things, be it food, right. sex, drugs, drink, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Because when we're doing those things, we're really trying to fill this void. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I realized yesterday I found myself like wandering around the house at one point. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was wandering around the house and I realized, oh man, I have all this extra time and energy because I'm not eating. Yeah. I wasn't hungry at all. <clears throat> yeah. But I, w- I would go to the fridge, open it up, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm not eating today. That's so funny. I've been having that, too. You know, That's and then so I'm wandering funny. around the house, and I'm going, what do I do now? That's so interesting. That's so interesting. So then, because I've been having that, too, and I relate to that. So then my question is, so basically, what do we do? I mean, we sit and meditate. We do our art. I mean, it's like, yeah, so, exactly. so you, you've, you've literally through this process of of getting whole you've trimmed the fat mm. to where you're just doing you're doing the you're just living from a much more intuitive place and um and a much more anchored much richer much deeper place yeah yeah is it all not just a search for spirituality you know, are, are yeah. all these things like when we eat the croissant, when we drink the margarita, when we whatever, is it all not just so we can ah, mm-hmm. got that feeling again? It really is, isn't it? Ah. But then when you fill up, you recognize the ephemerality of those feelings. And when you're whole... It's no longer ephemeral. Mm. The other thing Vivekananda says is like when you start doing this work, you just become like happy. Yeah. Like people are, people would ask him like, why are you so like, why are you laughing all the time? You know, it's like, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? Is it just uh, oh, totally. is it us just trying to have a spiritual connection? And now it's a just thousand been, percent. It's been so bastardized and deranged by material culture that <clears throat> it's all we don't know any better now. Well, but what's we're really... finding better because of you know, like, yeah, so. yeah. Um, yes. When you break it down that way, I think everything we're doing, we're seeking to get higher, Mm. right? We're seeking highness. You want to feel that highness. Heroin addicts call it chasing the dragon because you're chasing that first high. Mm. Even like people who become really dependent on or attached to cannabis or any drug for that matter, really. You're seeking out that first experience you had where your fucking mind was totally blown and everything you knew was obliterated and you fucking plummeted into the heart of God and completely surrendered your whole life because you realized it's so much more than anything you could have imagined. And food, great food. It's ecstatic. It's blissful. Like you said, the croissant. Yeah. It gives you this high. Yeah. The margarita, the, 
the sex, whatever it is, it all gives you this high and you're, and we're all just seeking out wholeness, which we equate to the highness of being with spirit, of being connected with spirit. Yeah. So I think there's so much truth in that. This is, um, Wait, I wanted to say more. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, you can sorry. read that. Is that Vivekananda? Yeah, I think it has, you know, it's similar to what you're talking about. Um, but go ahead. But then an interesting thing I've come to, and it relates to everything we're going through now, as always, because it all moves in cycles. In our culture? Yeah. Mm. But so this book, The Secret History of the World, which I've been reading, it feels like for 10 years. Yeah, I'm waiting to borrow it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stuck. I I haven't, I have like 30 pages to go. It's like a 500 page book and it's dense and it's great. Every page is so good. But you watch this trajectory of human history, which is a real, it's a real history. Like, this isn't some alternative revisionist history. Mm -hmm. This is real history, just not the history that we've come to know and and learn in schools and stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's this really interesting thing that happens where some of the... Around the 16th century, 16th, 17th century, Uh we started to see these, these mystics and these philosophers who really brought into the cultural milieu or the cultural consciousness the 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 discipline of materialism hmm. and there's materialism and there's idealism hmm. and it's interesting because reading it from this context i go oh so there's some there's some merit in the materialistic view in its origination, what it stems from, because what it really stemmed, what it came out of or came through was this idea of letting everything fall away, letting all the expectations fall away Mm. and coming right into the heart of the physical experience going what's real this table is real this table is real this person is real mm. this is real in front of me uh-huh. and not living from the imaginated perception of expectations or hopes or whatever yeah so that was really fascinating to me cuz we're you know We've been talking about the pitfalls of materialism, and perhaps this is the evolution of that paradigm where this has gone because and and how it gets bastardized over time and through the generations, it becomes this thing of attachment to the material mm-hmm. because what it always comes back to for me is that we need to be we need to have balance in both. Mm-hmm. We need to be the yin and the yang. The ethereal and the material. We need to have one foot in each place in order to experience that wholeness. Does that make sense? Well, it's funny because I was in Vivekananda also. Um, Maybe he's kind of spirit guiding this pod. 
Yeah. He has a whole bit about mind and matter. And I was thinking about what you had talked about. You had said we live in a mind over matter universe, right? Is that what you said? That to me is what right now or yeah, yes, we live in a mind over matter unit, mind before matter universe, but we're really living in a matter before mind paradigm. Okay. So you didn't say over, you said before. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting distinction. Vivekananda does this little paragraph. The whole book is like little quotes from his talks. He says mind and matter are the same thing mm, because matter yes, yes. matter comes out of the mind. Yes. The mind is made of matter, mm. which it was so interesting. And I was thinking That's about... That's the yogic yeah, completion. I was thinking about what you had said because he was like, they're both the same. Yeah. It's just how they flow with each other. Yes. So perfect. But that's interesting. You didn't say over matter. Mind before matter makes sense. But then you flip it. It's also matter before mind because what it's almost like what came first, the chicken (laughs) or the egg. Exactly. Because the mind is made up of matter. Absolutely. That's so interesting. I love that. Well, even the cosmic mind. Yeah. There's some particulate matter that makes up the cosmic consciousness. You know what I mean? Yeah. That everything sprung out of. Yeah. You know what I was hearing the other day about, we talk about the yugas and the different, you know, yogic uh, epics. The Sat Yuga, Sat is true, right? So Sat Song. Sat Song is like your true community. Mm. Sat Guru. It's like the true guru. Sat Yuga, Sat is truth. Mm. So the, the, the first yuga was about telling the truth. Kali Yuga is about nothing is, we don't know what the truth is anymore. Mm. Are Isn't we going, is it after Kali Yuga, it's the Sat Yuga? No, Sat Yuga was like the first Yuga. Oh, oh, interesting. We're in, the, I think the Kali Yuga is like the last Yuga. Yeah, we're in that. Until God knows, I don't know what comes next. Well, they say everything gets obliterated and then we're back into the age of love, whatever Yuga that is. But doesn't that feel like where we're going? I was like, oh, that's so funny. We're in the era now of fake news. Yeah. We're literally in the fucking fake news I era. Know. I know. <laughs> of course. Of course we are. Can I... you, you don't even know. You, you have no clue what's real. Yeah. Other than your intuitive heart. So you do this work. So you drop the shit. That's it. Can I read you this? This kind of has to do with it too. This is from Vivekananda. Meditation has been laid stress upon by all religions. The meditative state of mind is declared by the yogis to be the highest state in which the mind exists. When the mind is studying the external object, it gets identified with it, loses itself. To use the simile of the old Indian philosopher, the soul of man is like a piece of crystal, but it takes the color of whatever it is, whatever is near it. Mm. Whatever the soul touches, it has to take its color. That is the difficulty. That constitutes the bondage. The color is so strong, the crystal forgets itself and identifies itself with the color. Suppose a red flower is near the crystal. The crystal takes the color and forgets itself, thinks it is red. We have taken the color of the body and have forgotten what we are. All the difficulties that follow come from that one dead body. All our fears, all worries, anxieties, troubles, mistakes, weakness, evil are from that one great blunder. 
that we are bodies. This is the ordinary person. It is the person taking the color of the flower near to it. We are no more bodies than the crystal is the red flower. Yeah. It's powerful, dude. Back to the kind of renunciant, the the fasting thing, you know? It's like, this process to me is relieving myself of all the shit so that I can be true and honest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said, you know. Absolutely. There's something to be said for dropping everything. You know, he talks about too, like, living, it's easy to be the yogi in the cave. I mean, this is a dude that's from India that's fucking, you know, like, isn't it? And he's like, he, he doesn't say the Bodhisattva vow, but he, his deal is like, I'm not full until the whole world is full. So I'm spreading this message to fill the world. And it's a lot, you know, like his master, Ramakrishna, before, when, before, right before Ramakrishna died, he said, Vivekananda, you need to go out and mm. spread this message. So Vivekananda like went to the Chicago like World's Fair and he spoke and everybody was like fucking blown. So he like stayed in America for three years and then went back and came back some. Wow. um, But like how do we keep the crystal clear while we're in all of this? Like that's the really amazing challenge, if you will, if you want to call it a challenge. Yeah. That is the challenge. That is the challenge. Can you participate in the life and the happenings of the experience without becoming the experience? Back to the thing where the guy messaged me where you're living must be an insane asylum. What? So you can't be in the insane asylum? Is that too much? I mean, I don't know. Well, I hear that all the time, too. It's a perfect example. I'll do podcasts, interview people that are in different parts of the world, different parts of the country. They'll say, hey, where are, they'll say, hey, where are you? And I'll be like, oh, I'm in L.A. And they'll be like, whoa, is it really crazy and weird there? And I'm like, I laugh. I laugh yeah. and I go, well, it's about as crazy and weird as you allow it to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I walk outside, man. Go outside. People are getting on with it. People are getting on with life, doing their thing. Doesn't look that weird, you know? There's, see, and that brings us back to the difference between the digital reality Mm. and the, what do we call that? This is just real. Is this real life or is this the, this is the analog reality? I don't know what, (laughs) like what? Analog, I guess. Because they're both real in this metaphysical way um and it also brings me you know all of that that we were talking about everything vivekananda said in there i had this realization driving 
Sandy to karate the other day. Because I can really get honed in on this trip of it's about getting clear. It's about this. It's about, you know, keeping the crystal clear. It's about renunciating all the material earthly possessions, Mm -hmm. earthly desires, right? Mm -hmm. But then I go, but God's in everything. God is in everything. So the person who's totally caught in the illusion, they're doing the same thing just in a different way, taking another path, you know? There's a lot of ways to get downtown. You could take the 101, you could take the 134 to the 5 to the 110. You could take Sunset. You could take Sunset. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, And then I was listening to Alan Watts last oh. night, and he's talking about two really interesting things that he was talking about. The The talk was titled... Can we free ourselves from the trap? And on his way to that, he talked about how he was talking to this this really famous Zen master who said to him, you know, we can never forget that the Buddha, his father was a king. And Jesus, his father was a carpenter. And he said, he said, we can never, we can never forget that because the entire paradigm of Buddhism is built on this, on this structure of having had it all and renunciating all of it. Right. And the Christian philosophy is about the common man utilizing faith as a resistance to the elites Mm -hmm. to raise himself up to the status of, you know, to spiritually raise himself above the level of those domineering forces in that time, the Romans. Mm. I thought that was really interesting. And then he goes into basically this idea of Do you really, are you escaping life when you just walk away from everything? Because that's what the Buddha did. Buddha had a a family. He had a whole life. He had a whole thing. He just fucking walked away from it all. Mm -hmm. And look, man, here we are. My, My karmic, my dharmic calling in this life does it sound appealing to walk into the forest and just met, spend the rest of my life meditating in a cave doing yoga and fucking praying? And yeah, yeah, that sounds really appealing. But I know after one day of doing that, yeah, I'd be pulled back into the world because right. something in me, my spirit would go, Eb, you got to be out there. Like mm-hmm. you got to be in this. You got to be involved. So knowing that it's like, okay, well, here I am. I have a family. I have work that I feel needs to be done. I have a purpose that I feel I need to fulfill in this lifetime. So 
how do I do both? How do I keep the crystal clear? Which I think is what I just said to start this whole thing. Mm -hmm. To start this little rant I'm on. Mm -hmm. What? Can we do all the things, be a part of the happenings, experience the life without becoming the thing? Exactly. Exactly. So it's like I'm just a vessel. I'm just a portal for all of this to move through and around. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've heard many sages say it, and Vivekananda says it as well. Money is fine. The stuff is fine. Right. It's just not getting attached to it. Right. That's the that's the pitfall. It's all fine. So it's not the materialism. And the uh, but the other thing to your point of how walking into the forest sounds appealing um you know dropping the paranoia if the act is done out of paranoia it's not going to work if you're going to the right. forest because you're paranoid right. you're going to stay paranoid Exactly. That's the whole challenge with this thing nowadays, how, yo, you've moved to wherever you've moved to. You've gotten out of the quote-unquote insane asylum city. You're still talking about the insane asylum. Right. You're paranoid. Yeah. Terrence McKenna, he said, I believe in pronoia. As I've never really heard that word until he said it. Yeah. I believe in pronoia as a paranoia, pro, as as opposed to paranoia. Pronoia, everything is out to do me good. Love that. You know, I love. See, that's to me, that is the transformative shift that occurs when you, in Vivekananda's words, mm -hmm. start living a religious life yeah you start living the life that is infused with the spirit of the cosmos yes because all of a sudden you shift out of yeah dude from a material perception viewpoint sure there's like good and bad things that happen all the time mm -hmm. you hope that this thing you know you've got a job interview you're hoping you're going to get the job but then you don't get the job so on one level you could go fuck man i didn't get that job man fuck those people what the fuck is wrong with me fuck i'm fucked i don't yeah. i need i need to make money whatever it might be but what the flip side of that is oh okay i didn't get that job maybe there's a better job for me maybe i just had to go into that interview to say that thing to that person because 10 years from now, I'm going to meet them yeah. again doing another job where they're yeah. going to say, man, you know how much you impressed me back uh -huh. then? I just couldn't hire you because of X, Y, and Z, and I had to go with this other guy. Yeah. And you have that opportunity all the time. Well, I just had it today. Me too. Like we, yeah, I mean, <laughs> me I, mean I just had it. I just entered this writing contest. Man, I wanted that $20,000. I wanted that second place $5,000. I wanted that third place $2,500. I didn't win any of them. That's what the prizes are? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, dude. Yeah, fuck Well, yeah. I got $0. No, I know, I know. But just entering. But, just like, entering. but like you said, 
which is the God consciousness to me. The God consciousness to me is, and it's so, it's such a relief to live this way where I looked at it and I was like, okay, what's, what's the next action? What's the, you know, what's the spiritual truth here? I didn't win. That's okay. Yeah. And you said you needed to write that story. I mean, just to have that that um ability, you know. I think it comes down to presence. Mm-hmm. Your presence. Because if you're caught in the future, it's never gonna be enough. Yeah. If you're living in the past, you're gonna always be looking behind you. Yeah. Thinking about, oh, it used to be so good. Or, oh, look at how fucked up my past is. Therefore, my future can't be that good. Right. Meanwhile, right here in the present is literally everything you need. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. You know, that's the God consciousness, like you're saying. The presence. Yeah. Prolong not the past. Invite not the future. I love that line. Um, But to your point. This really, this is so, I'm curious how you feel about this. This was so apropos to my experience of developing this. Vivekananda says, all souls are playing, comma, some consciously, comma, some unconsciously. Religion is learning to play consciously. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Perfect. Perfect, dude. That's, I, I so feel that. Yeah. I was so playing unconsciously. Yeah. And it's a trip. When you start playing consciously, it's yeah. a different, if it's a different league. Yeah. Really starts to, you feel the majesty of life when you start doing that. And the horror. I mean, I got to say, oh, yeah. I mean, you feel <laughs> yeah. the horror. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did this, I've been doing these one-on-one sessions with my Patreon people, Uh it's been amazing. Shout out to all you guys. Um, and I had this conversation with this dude last Friday and he said, Ed, man, I started meditating and I had this experience where I put on the the binaural beats, like the frequencies. Mm -hmm. And he said, it was like five, I was like, oh, 528 Hertz. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a good one. I love those things. I love the solfeggio frequencies. Yeah. Um, and he said, I started meditating, listening to these sounds, and I fell into this mind-blowingly blissful state. Mm-hmm. And I felt so incredibly light and good and happy and pure and at peace. And he said, then all of a sudden, I had this terror come over me. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, it was like my mind went, no, no, wait, man. What happens if I'm going to die? We're going to die. What if we never come back? What if this doesn't end? And he said, is that normal? I said, dude, that's, that's the thing. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the mystical experience. That's the, that is the ego death happening, man. Yeah. And he said it scared him so much that he hadn't done it in two weeks. And I said to him, I'm like, brother, you just got to keep doing it. 
You keep coming back. You use your breath to carry you through that terror and that fear. Because as we meditate and as we settle deeper and deeper into the pit of our being, all of this old shit starts to fall away. And it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. As Ramdas says, it's like there's no earth beneath your feet. Right. There's nothing left to hold on to. There's no fucking handle to keep your grip on reality. Because there isn't. I'm so I'm so in the midst. And shout out to the guy to be able to express that. Yeah, he because, was. The, we had such a good convo. Well, because that's really important to have the courage and the ability to share that. I'm so in the midst of that where the old, the old tapes, whatever, want. Yeah, they're afraid. You know, they're. It, it's almost like you're being ripped in half, and yeah. you have to. This this was interesting too. Um, I don't know if it's the Upanishads or the Vedanta. Um, the Vedanta, Vivekananda was a Vedantist, so I guess that means they their scripture is like the Vedas. Oh, okay. And he says the word that is used more than any other word in the scriptures is fearless. Wow. He says, God, if you're really in God, if you've allowed God to come into you, you're fearless. Mm. And I was like, wow. That makes me want to burst into tears. Yeah. I mean, he's really feeling that. And if you really, I mean, I'm still processing it. He's like it's it's the it's the most used word in all our scriptures. Being fearless. So true. So true. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know that brings me to Before we started recording, we were talking about not perpetuating the paranoia, not perpetuating the fear, which all of media does now. Mm -hmm. And even the people who are working to spread awareness and knowledge about certain things, it so easily slips into paranoia perpetuation. Yes, yes. Which is why I actually decided as we're talking, I don't even want to talk about those things that we were talking about. Yeah. Because there's no way to not perpetuate paranoia when you talk about X, Y, or Z. Um, but one of the realizations I had through COVID In God, there is no fear. So when you're experiencing the sensation of fear or terror, that is not coming from source. That's not coming from spirit. Because in spirit, what is there to be afraid of? There is nothing. You're going to die. 
You are going to die. Understand it, know it, accept it. There is no fear in that because when you die, you go back to the source to be with the one thing once again. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be fucking birthed back in to this thing or another thing or whatever. So fear is not fear is not a spiritual um sensation. No. No, it's a body sensation. Yeah, it's a complete body ego sensation. Yeah. Because it's the identification with whatever the thing is you believe you are. Exactly. I'm my body. Oh fuck. Yeah. The saber tooth tigers out there. It's going to kill me. It's going to eat me. Oh, that person, they might hurt me. But that has nothing to do with the universal truth. Does that make sense? Of course. And yes. So when we talk about, you know, the greatest leaders in the history of the world, they don't motivate anyone through fear. No. No. The fucking tyrants use fear. Yes. The tyrants use fear because fear is a powerful narcotic to manipulate people into doing things. Yeah. Or to thinking things. Yeah. So when you talk about what's real and what's true, anytime that fear comes up, man, the best thing, the first thing you've got to do is bring your attention back to your breath. Start breathing right away. Because when you're feeling that fear, you're actually in the lower part of your brain, the reptilian brain. It's literally lower in your cranial sphere, structure. The reptilian brain is at the bottom near the base. It's at the base of the skull right by the spine. The God consciousness, the God head, that's all in your prefrontal cortex, up by your forehead, up where your third eye is. So when you start breathing in and out through your nose, when you feel that fear, you're literally moving the energy from your reptilian brain up into the God head. It's taking you out of that fear response and putting you into your executive decision making, your high, higher self your higher mind. Yes. Feel compelled to say that. No, right. it's 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 important and I want, you know, for me You know, I've been working with this new therapist and mm. the therapist we were talking about some stuff and the kind of idea came up of why can't basically in essence, the idea is, I don't know exactly how to word it, but I'll say, why can't I pretend the fears don't exist? Why can't I just be there already? Blah, blah, blah. Why can't I just be fearless? Mm. And she reminded me that, and this is this felt very true. There's a somatic element. It's not just psychological. Uh-huh. There's a somatic element of what we've called the fight or flight responses. Um, yeah. So I believe there's a process 
of integrating mind and matter. There's a process of integrating the psychological aspect and the somatic aspect. Mm. And, you know, through this process of where we began here, when you start dropping the veils and and renouncing things just of its own accord, not saying, I'm going to renounce that, just do your process and the things renounce themselves, we're integrating with the truth. It's like you telling your patron, well, that was beautiful, but we have to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. We keep going because that was like, that was a point of integration. Mm -hmm. It's like the beautiful line, don't leave before the miracle. Mm. It's like the miracles just keep showing up. Yeah. So we have to just continue to show up. I have to just continue to show up because it is a process, right? We, we've, we've created so much heavy karma through our lives that it's, it, it's a process of moving that stuff out. We have to continue to do it. Um, yeah. On our way to getting the crystal clear. Getting back to recognizing that we are just crystal clear. You know? like. But I think there's something being brought up in the Western paradigm, which is a materialistic philosophy structure. Right? And you've spent so much time not being aware of these realities, these dimensions of reality, Mm -hmm. of human experience. Mm -hmm. That's where the process comes in. Yes. Because from an Eastern standpoint, if you're brought up believing and understanding and, and having an awareness of everything is God, it's all spirit, we are all one doing this, doing this dance of the oneness drama playing itself out. There's much less processing to do because you've already been indoctrinated with these ideas of your wholeness, how to, how to achieve wholeness, how to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the yogis, the Eastern philosophy is born with, the philosophical or spiritual or religious karma that death isn't bad. Right. In America, we do not have that. And maybe that's the maybe that is the quintessential western paradox. Yeah, well, it's what you were just you were just talking about this kind of fear of death. Yeah. I mean, these 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 yogis are not coming from that standpoint yeah it's amazing because i a couple weeks ago i interviewed this woman her episode it'll be out before this it'll oh it's actually out today uh her name's dr jillian mandich she studies the science of happiness Uh uh-huh literally the whole conversation is about getting out of the Western ideology of what happiness is, which is this 
event-driven concept of when I do that thing, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And that always falls apart. And her entire thing, everything she's finding in her research of what happiness is, attaining a sustained state of happiness, content, joy, etc., is all coming back to the ancient Eastern philosophies. Mm -hmm. Literally, everything she says. Happiness is not a destination. Happiness is in the process. Happiness is not about the thing. It's about your your state of mind and your ability or your allowance of yourself to live in the heart space. Yeah. And to not be attached to things. Literally. Yeah. It's fascinating. Isn't it fascinating? <sighs> yeah, it's amazing. And it's almost like we have perpetuated. I mean, we have through the um through the corporate religious system that we've created in America we've perpetuated that death is bad through mass media we've perpetuated that death is bad yeah. you know death is some ultimatum paradigm we've created here where you're either going to get to heaven or hell i mean that's that's in the fabric of whatever this system is and that's just, I mean, that doesn't, that's not conducive to. Do you think that's what it comes down to is it's about you're going to go to heaven or hell? I don't, I, I just think that hasn't helped. That yeah. didn't help. Yeah. What are people afraid of that it's going to hurt? What's like the most, what's the biggest pain point? I think it's, I think it's losing control. I think it's what you were referring to earlier where there's nowhere to stand i think it's losing control i don't think it's necessarily about hurt or pain i think it's about mm. complete and utter surrender total surrender to this thing that's inevitable yeah and total sur but also total surrender to life to living mm. um I don't necessarily think it's about pain. I was just wondering that too. What is it about? Yeah. All of this really comes back to our book, A Life Worth Dying For. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Because so many people are just, you're just living terrified it's all going to end, but what are you doing in the meantime, you know? Yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting um, paradox, if you will. Such a, such a deep paradox. Like, do you just want to go on sitting in the the recliner watching the TV for eternity? No, I don't. I think they desperately don't want that. But see, this is also a challenge of having no community because you don't feel safe in the world. Yeah. When you don't have community, 
it's very hard to feel safe. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't, if you don't feel like people are supporting you, even though at the end of the day, I believe it just comes down to you and you taking responsibility for your life. We, we've, we've obliterated so much of our tribal, uh, system mm. that, I mean, it's, it's hard. We've obliterated, we've obliterated so much of vulnerability and intimacy. Yeah. So you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Trying to figure it out on the fly. Meanwhile, it's all moving so fast. Getting out of the results is a big one, man. It's such a big one. You know, with everything. Yeah. Because if you're living in the results... You're just going to overcomplicate every step of the way. Because everything you do has to be in accordance with attaining this result that's completely out of your control anyway. You know? So you have a business deal that you need to get done. And that business deal depends upon an agreement between you and this other person or this other group or whatever. And you have an idea about what that agreeable deal is and they have an idea about what that agreeable deal is. Yeah. So then what do you need to do to attain a deal that is most agreeable to you? Just speak what you need and want, right? And then they can respond however they want to respond. That has nothing to do with you. You you don't really get to decide what they want or what works best for them. Well, you just said when you're in the results business, you're trying to control the outcome. Yeah. So I think it is about, I think it is a control thing. And then when you go back to the, to, to, you know, Stepping into does, the river of God. Yeah, and Ramda says, letting go. Yeah. You are, there's nowhere to stand, but there's everywhere to stand. Yeah. You, you recognize. Right, exactly. So, That's the realization. Yeah, and I think it is about wanting to control, or you think you want to control it. But that's in, that's impossible, because nature, nature is constantly evolving and so vast that you can't do that it's it doesn't it's not it's not real well it just causes you so much suffering to mm -hmm. be in that mm -hmm. and if that's the game that's being played then and the game is just intuitively the game is to relieve as much suffering as possible right well, I mean the the Buddha's Buddha's first noble truth is all life is suffering. Right. So relieving suffering but I think also dancing with it. 
and recognizing it. And then it's almost like it doesn't become suffering. Well, that's the paradox, isn't it? Mm -hmm. All life is suffering or life is suffering. But then extracting yourself from that is detaching yourself from that, Mm -hmm. which inevitably relieves a significant amount of suffering. You're going to experience suffering. What is it? Suffering is inevitable. Pain is optional. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Right, right. Because life is challenging. Life is really hard. Life is constantly throwing adversity at you. Right? Yeah. So then the practice is how can I not add to that? Yeah, yeah. How can I not create the self-inflicted shit? Yeah. Which to me lies heavily in staying out of the results. Or your expectations, another word for it. And how can I not increase paranoia? How do I just release paranoia every step of the way? Yeah. Yeah. Release fear every step of the way. There's no paranoia in God. There's no fear in God. Because God is. It's beyond all of that. Yeah. And for the audience, I'm I'm saying this because it's what I'm practicing. I'm not saying this that I'm fucking there. I'm yeah. not saying this because I'm Vivekananda or Ramakrishna. I think it's important to you know, I'm on the path and you're oh, yeah. you're on the path and well, everything, I, I would assume that all the listeners are on the path. Yeah, you know? everything I always speak about, I'm always I'm literally saying it to myself as it comes right. to me and I'm just saying it out loud Yeah, and it resonates. And, yeah. um, feels good, man. Yeah, it does. It does. Feels complete. You have anything else you want to add? No, no, no. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, powerful, man. Powerful stuff. It feels like we're in this spiritual vortex. But even that word, like, that word is losing meaning to me because it's all spiritual. (laughs) You know? Like, everything is, it's all spiritual. Yeah. Going to the store is spiritual. You know, it's all yeah. spiritual happenings. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I've been looking at each thing is just more information. Yeah. It's more information for me to grow. Yeah, that's it. You know, not winning the contest. That's more information, you know. Yeah thinking, you know, how do I approach this email? That's more information. How do I? Oh, yeah. It's more information about my uh, spiritual, my spiritual practice. 
and grow. That's it, man. Well, thanks, bro. Yeah, thank you. Um, should I do a little merch teaser? Yeah. Are we there? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's almost... I this mean, pod will probably come out next week. Yeah, I mean, I'm working on... The- We've got some merch coming, y'all. So stay tuned. Pretty stoked about it. Gus has been working on some designs. They're pretty fucking badass. I'm, I'm, I will definitely keep y'all abreast of that. So stay tuned. If you haven't already, since we shouted it out on this podcast, check out our book, A Life Worth Dying For, available on Amazon. I'll have that in the show notes, a link for you to click and purchase. Um, check out Gus's newsletter, realitynow.substack.com. Great work. Um, other than that, I'd love to see all of you guys join the Power Tribe on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. I have that link in the show notes as well. I am now offering on top of all the dope bonus ebb and flow content, the yoga flows, the breath work. We're doing group sessions, did an epic one this past Sunday, yoga and breath work. Uh, It's great to connect with everybody there. So that is a monthly deal happening once a month. Um, Also guided meditations, but I'm now also offering one-on-one coaching sessions Check that out on Patreon. You might have to hit the See All Tiers tab at the bottom there of the homepage, um, or it's right under the the Seeker and Sage options. Underneath that, there's Ebb and Flow Coaching. Those are one-hour sessions, one-on-one with me to help you reach your highest greatness. In so doing that, I am also, you are also helping to elevate me into my highest greatness. So that is available. Limited spots available for that. So if you're interested, check it out ASAP. Lots of love to you guys. Have an epic rest of your day. Living in your truth. Living in your power. (laughs) Gus. I want to say namaste. Namaste, baby. Lots of love, y'all. Have an excellent day. See y'all on the flip side. Peace.